Welcome to the City Reach Baptist Podcast. If you would like more information about the life of our church, please go to our website at cityreach.com.au or like us on Facebook. We hope you enjoy this message. Father, we just come to this moment and we ask you to powerfully work through your word. We ask that you would exalt Jesus in our midst as we open up the scriptures together. And we pray that you would build your church and build our faith, Lord, we pray. As we hear the word preached, Lord, I pray by the Spirit you would um, take the word and apply it to our lives and change us for your glory and honour, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning... If you haven't got your Bible open, open it up to Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to be finishing off our series in the book of Ephesians, and finishing off our series called The War, as we're looking at how to have victory in the spiritual conflicts that we face in our lives. And we have said that these spiritual conflicts are not something out there, but rather they are something that is in the mundane of our life. They're in our marriages, we have these conflicts They're in our day-to-day existence. And as I came to this passage, and as I was studying it this week, I had this question that hit me. Why is it that I often don't get victory in my spiritual struggles? Why is it that I often don't experience victory? And as I read verse 13, I was really, really spoken to by the Lord. Look down in your Bibles in verse 13. Paul says, therefore, whenever you see the word therefore, you have to ask, what is it therefore? Therefore is a word that summarizes everything that's gone before and says on the basis of everything that's gone before, here's now what you are to do. And so Paul has already said that we face a formidable enemy, the devil. He's got schemes, he's got plans, he's organized, he wants to take you down. And Paul says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God. This is a call to war. This is a call to fight. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand. The word withstand means to exert strong opposition. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. In that day that the devil comes to tempt you, to accuse you. To, to, to bring you down, put on the full armor of God so that you might be able to mount strong opposition, Paul says, and having done all, he says, to stand firm. And here's what hit me. The reason why I don't often experience victory is not because Jesus hasn't won the victory and there isn't enough sufficient resources in him. But the problem is, is that I'm not taking up the whole armor of God. I'm not doing, as it says, having done all. I'm not doing all that I'm supposed to do so that I will stand firm. You see, there's nothing wrong with the victory of Christ. Christ has won a mighty victory through his death, burial, and resurrection. The problem is, is that I'm not taking up the armor of God. I'm not appropriating that victory in my life. You see, it's like the armor is there on the ground, but I'm not putting it on. And so when I go out to battle, there's just me, and I get defeated every time. 
You see, the key to spiritual victory is preparation. Is preparation. Is getting prepared for the battle. Is putting on the armour of God. Is appropriating the resources of Christ. And the reason why you might be falling, the reason why you might be experiencing victory is not because there's anything wrong with the victory of Christ. But you're just not appropriating that victory and you're not getting prepared for the battle. Now in verses 14 to verse 20, Paul unpacks the resources that we have in Christ and he shows us how we can actually prepare for the battle every single day. Now obviously Paul here, he uses metaphorical language in order to describe this. There isn't literally a belt of truth and literally a breastplate of righteousness and literally a sword of the Spirit. No, what he's actually using is he's using metaphorical language, language that would have been familiar to him and language that would have been familiar to his readers. I mean, Paul is writing this letter from in prison. He's been chained up to a Roman centurion. And as he looks at that Roman centurion, he looks and he sees an illustration of the resources that we need to put on and we need to appropriate if we want to have spiritual victory. Is there anyone here who wants spiritual victory this morning? Let me tell you, it's not, there's nothing wrong with the resources of Christ. It's that we often don't get prepared. We don't put on the armor of God every day to take our stand. So how do we put on the armor of God? And what is the armor of God? Well, look down in your Bibles in verse 14. Paul says, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. Now, for a Roman centurion, the belt was central to their uniform. Uh, You know, they had this long flowing tunic that they would wear. And in order to get prepared for battle, they would tuck their long tunic into their belt so that they would have mobility, so that their legs would would be free, so that they could move. The belt also had the breastplate connected to it and their sword was connected to it. So the belt was absolutely central to their uniform. And I think what Paul is saying here when he talks about the belt of truth is he's saying that truth is absolutely central to spiritual victory. If you want spiritual victory, it starts with the truth. So how do we put on the belt of truth? Well, putting on the belt of truth means that every single day, You get into the truth. You memorize the truth. You read the truth. You get into the Bible. There will be no spiritual victory for a Christian who isn't in the Scriptures and drawing their strength and nourishment from the Word of God. But also, I think, to put on the belt of truth is not only to get into the Bible, but it also is to make the decision that I am not going to live by my feelings, but I'm going to live by the truth of what God says. You see, often I get defeated because I'm living by my feelings. I'm not living by the truth of what God has said in his word. You know, when pilots fly planes, they have in front of them a whole heap of um, instruments. And these instruments tell like the speed that the plane is going and and it tells like the height of the plane and all of those sorts of things. And when a pilot is flying during the day, they can look outside and they can see the ground and it's quite safe. But when they fly at night, they need to trust their instruments. So many accidents have happened because people have trusted their feelings rather than the truth of what the instruments were telling them. And the same is true for you, my friends. 
When the darkness comes, you can't trust your feelings. You need to trust the truth. You need to put on the belt of truth and live by the truth, not by your feelings. But Paul then says in verse 14, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now for Roman centurions, the breastplate was this leather, this leather breastplate that covered their front and their back. And it covered the vital organs, the heart and the liver. And this is because the Romans knew that you might be able to lose a finger or you might lose an ear. But if you get pierced in the heart, you're goners. And in the same way, the breastplate of righteousness, it covers Christians' vital organ, their heart. But what is the breastplate of righteousness? Well, I think because of our union with Jesus, God has justified us. He's declared us to be righteous. And so now we are fully accepted children of God. So to put on the breastplate of righteousness every day is to get up and to say, thank you, God, for my new identity in Christ. Thank you that I'm fully righteous in the Son, that I'm a fully accepted child of God because of Jesus. Now, this is important because the devil is very crafty and he will come to attack you. One of the ways he attacks Christians is through accusation. If he's very crafty, what will happen is before you sin, he'll be tempting you, telling you that you need this sin, that you'll gain so much from this sin. But then once you do sin, he will then turn and he will accuse you and say things like, How did, what, why did you do that? What were you thinking? What sort of Christian are you? How could you be a pastor and do that thing? And he'll try to throw over you this big blanket of condemnation to seek to smother you. Now, there is conviction. The Holy Spirit, he convicts us of sin. But the condemnation of the devil is different from the Holy Spirit's conviction. The condemnation of the devil always leads us to despair, whereas the conviction of the Holy Spirit always leads us to hope leads us to the blood of Christ and to receiving cleansing for our sin. But you see, if the devil can't get you to think more lowly of yourself than you ought to think, do you know what he'll try to do? He's very crafty. He will try to get you to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. So what he'll do is if you are walking in spiritual victory for a couple of weeks, he'll start whispering in your ear, you're, you're a fantastic spiritual giant. You and Hudson Taylor, baby. You know, there's, if, only the, if only those losers at church were as spiritual as you. And he'll try and get you to become arrogant and proud and self-righteous. And the Bible says that pride comes before a fall. You see, we need to take up the breastplate of righteousness, which means to affirm that we are fully accepted children of God only because of what Jesus has done for us and only because of his righteousness. Now, the other day I was talking to Tegan and we were having this conversation and she turned to me and she said, Timon, I disagree with you about that. And do you know what? My inner lawyer just started to rise up. I mean, how dare she disagree with me? Who does she think she is? I, I'm the pastor. I've been to seminary. What has she done? And in that moment, as my inner lawyer started to be activated, I think the Spirit actually prompted me to re remember, hey, 
My righteousness doesn't come from those places. My righteousness comes from Jesus alone. So I don't have to be right in this situation and I don't have to prove that I'm more knowledgeable or better than Tegan. And we could have a discussion and move on. You see, take up the breastplate of righteousness. Every day embrace the fact that you're a fully accepted child of God. Not because of anything that you've done, but because of Christ's righteousness alone. Look down in verse 15. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Now for Roman soldiers, they would have these sandals that were about two centimeters thick of leather. And they'd have these long nails that would come out of them that were in the soles of these sandals. And this was so when they took their footing, they could get a good grip and a firm foundation so that they would be ready for the battle, so that they could take their stand and be ready for the onslaughts of the enemy. And right here, Paul says that what gets you ready for the onslaughts of the enemy is the gospel of peace. And as I thought about this this week, I thought, man, this is something that many of you may need. You see, the reason you are not ready for the spiritual battle is because your conscience is not at peace with God. There are sins from the past which are still weighing on your conscience. And those things that are weighing on your conscience mean that you can't actually get prepared and get ready for the battle. It's like you're still, it's like you're a wounded soldier lying on the, on the ground and you can't get dressed ready for battle because you're still wounded on the ground. You see, what gets us ready for the battle is when we bring our conscience under the gospel. And maybe that's what some of you need to do today is bring those things from the past that are holding you captive under the gospel, under the blood of Christ and receive his cleansing grace. You know, in Ephesians 4, Paul says, do not give the devil a foothold. And if we habitually sin, we can give the enemy a base of operations in our lives from which he can launch further attacks. And maybe what some of you need to do today is actually bring your conscience under the blood of Christ. Confess those things that are weighing on your conscience so that you will be ready for battle. You know, every day in prayer, I come before the Lord and I ask him to search my conscience and I confess any known sin so that that day I am ready, I am ready for the battle. And as far as I know, my conscience is clear. Paul would talk about the importance of having a clear conscience before the Lord. Look down in verse 16. And in all circumstances... Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Now, one of the most effective weapons in the first century was the flaming arrow. They would take these arrows, they would dip them in tar, they would set them on fire, and they would rain down on armies. Has anyone here seen the movie Gladiator? You see that movie? You know, right at the very beginning, you see all of these flaming arrows being unleashed on an army. Well, this was a very effective weapon, but the Romans had got around this. They had built these rectangular shields 
that had, were made of hardwood and then they had a layer of softwood and then right at the front they had leather. And what they would do is they would take the shields, they would dip them in water so that, and then when the enemy came against them, they would all link with their shields together, they would raise their shield and when the fiery arrow came, it would first go down into the leather and the softwood and the fire would be extinguished. Notice here that Paul says, how many fiery darts of the enemy can be extinguished? All, all the fiery darts of the enemy. Now what this teaches us is this teaches us something very significant about spiritual warfare. This teaches us that spiritual warfare is primarily not a power encounter, it's primarily a truth encounter. Do you know, if you lived through the 1980s and 1990s, there was a real emphasis in the evangelical church on spiritual warfare. And the emphasis was that if you have some sort of sin problem, then that's related to you having some sort of demon. And what you need to do is you need to identify that demon and have that demon cast out of you. So let's say you were struggling with like pornography, then you have a demon of lust and in prayer, people need to take authority over that and cast that demon out. Or if you were struggling with anxiety, then you have a demon of fear and you need to, you know, with authority, cast that demon out. I don't think that's the way that Paul talks about it. Paul talks about it as being a truth encounter. That when the enemy comes with his accusation or his temptation, or his lies, we raise up the shield of faith. We turn to God's word and we believe and we trust in God's word rather than the enemy's lies. You know, one of the things that has really helped me in temptation is when temptation comes against me, I say this, thank you God that you are bigger and you are better than this sin. In fact, let's all say it. Stand to your feet, come on. Stand up. Let's all say this together. Ready? Thank you, God, that you are bigger and you are better than this sin. Let's say it again with more authority. Thank you, God, that you are bigger and you are better than this sin. Take a seat. God is bigger than the sin. Satan wants to come to you in temptation and say, sin is inevitable. But the Bible says that there is no temptation that has seized you except that which is common to man. And God is what? God is faithful. And he will provide a way of escape. This sin is not bigger than God. God is bigger than sin. He's bigger than temptation. And he can deliver you out of it. But he's also better than sin. The devil will come to you and he will promise you that this sin will be pleasurable and it will make your life so wonderful. But David said this, he said, blessed is how many days in God's court? Blessed is one day in God's court than a thousand elsewhere. God is bigger than my sin. God is better than my sin. And in temptation, I need to affirm the truth of that. When the enemy comes with his lies, I need to come back with him with God's truth. God is bigger. God is better than my sin. I need to raise the shield of faith. Look down in verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation. Now the helmet, the Roman helmet was made of metal. It would cover the entire head. 
And there was this section that even covered down to the nose because the Romans know, knew the importance of your head. If you lose your head, it's all over. And remember, I just said that Paul has said that spiritual warfare is primarily a truth encounter. You see, the battle is for your mind. It's for your thinking. Paul would say in Romans 12, verse 2, we need to renew our minds. In, one, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, he would say, you need to take every thought captive in obedience to Christ. You know, there isn't a moment for a Christian when you should allow your thoughts to wander. Because the Bible says, so a man thinks in his heart, that is he. If you sow a thought, you'll reap an action. You sow an action, you'll reap a habit. You sow a habit, you'll reap a character. You sow character, you'll reap a destiny. You know, it's really challenging to think the place where you are today is a result of your past thinking. It's thoughts that you've allowed to grow in your mind, and that's why you are the way you are today. And we need to take every thought captive in obedience to Christ. Has this ever happened to you? I've, you know, this has happened to me. I've gone out, you know, to mow my lawn, and before I go out to mow the lawn, I'm really in a good mood. I'm really happy. And then when I come in from mowing the lawn, I'm like raging with anger. And what has happened? Well, while I've been mowing my lawn, I've allowed my thoughts to wander. And then, you know, as I've been thinking, I've been thinking about all these people and problems and, you know, how people treat me. And all of a sudden, the rage starts to build up in my heart. And nothing has happened in that time between going out and mowing the lawn and coming back in. The only thing that's happened is I've allowed my thoughts to go to places where they shouldn't go. We need to take every thought captive in obedience to Christ. You need to wake up every day willing and ready to challenge some thoughts. When those thoughts come into your mind, so that's, that's not a thought that I want to entertain. I'm not going to listen to that thought. Don't entertain that thought. It might be from your sinful heart or it might be from the enemy, but there are thoughts that you need to put off and take captive in obedience to Christ. This is what it means to put on the helmet of salvation. And then finally, he says in verse 17, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now notice that all the other pieces are defensive pieces of armor, but this is the only offensive weapon that we have, the sword of the Spirit. And notice what it is. It's the sword of who? The sword of the Holy Spirit. What does the Spirit use to change and convict people? He uses the Word of God. What does the Spirit use to build and grow His church? The Word of God. This is what He uses. Do you know, I've come to realize that we as evangelicals have become a little bit embarrassed by the Word of God. You know, we don't want to be those Bible-quoting sort of people. And so I think in some ways, because we don't want to look uncool, we've sort of lost our confidence in the Scriptures. But if you want to build someone up, take with you the Word of God. Read a psalm to them. If you want to find instruction to help people, open up the Scriptures. 
The other day I was sitting down and there was this decision that I was thinking about with the church and I thought to myself, wouldn't it be really good to have a book that would tell you what to do in this situation? And it was like God's spirit said to me, duh! (laughs) This is it. This is the sword of the spirit. And yet we've lost confidence in it to take it out and to use it. Do you know, my parents quoted to me the Bible, or my father in particular growing up, he would quote to me and read to me the scriptures while I was still a rebellious teenager. But God's word does not return void, and he was sowing that word into my heart so that eventually the spirit would take it and he would use it to transform me. I believe in the Bible. I believe that as I preach the Bible this morning, your faith will be rising because faith comes from hearing and hearing the what? The Word of God. It is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to pierce the visions and marrow, the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This book is alive, Howard Hendricks used to say. If you cut it, it bleeds. It's that powerful. That powerful. And then in verse 18, look in your Bibles, Paul says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. The word supplication simply means fervent intercession for others. And since Paul connects prayer with the armor of God, I think it is true That the way we put on the armor of God, the way we appropriate and get ready for the battle that we're going to face every day is through prayer. As we get down on our knees in the morning and we say to God, God, today I want to live by the truth and not by my feelings. God, today I thank you that I'm righteous in Jesus because of his righteousness, not my own righteousness. God, I confess my sin And bring them to you for your cleansing. And thank you for your cleansing grace in my life. I'm ready now to do battle. God, in all circumstances, I don't know how the enemy's going to come, but he's going to come today. But in all circumstances, I'm going to raise up the shield of faith. I'm going to lift up the shield of faith in the word of God and trust you in these circumstances. And God, I put on the helmet of salvation today. I want to take every one of my thoughts captive in obedience to Christ. And God, today... Give me the capacity and the ability to take out the sword of the Spirit and to use it in a loving way and go on a love offensive to love others through ministering the Word to them. But there's one more thing I think that will be helpful to you to get prepared. And this is an all-important thing. Look down at the end of verse 18. Paul says, To that end, keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints. Notice in verse 19, he says, and also for who? For me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Do you know, if you do a study of the Apostle Paul, What is the number one thing that Paul asked for prayer for? He asked for prayer for boldness over and over and over again. 
In Romans 1 verse 16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. And I think the reason that he said that is because he knew the temptation to be ashamed. So maybe Paul's greatest place of weakness was the fear of man, was being afraid. And so he asks for believers to pray for him. Now, if Paul needed the prayer of other believers, how much more do you need the prayer of other believers? You see, we do not fight this war alone, but we are a garrison fighting together, encouraging each other, building each other up in prayer. One of the things that has been really troubling to me in the last six months is I've watched as People from the United States who are really respected, pastors from the United States who are really respected, fell one after the other. And it's been hard to deal with, like thinking, why is it that, that these pastors have fallen over like they have? And I think there's this danger that pastors can get into or people in ministry can get into where they think they need to just minister to others, but they don't need any ministry themselves. But Paul, he says, you guys need to pray for me. I mean, Paul has been in ministry now for like 30 years. He's, he, he's suffered for the sake of the gospel, but he still says, I'm weak, I need prayer. And if Paul was weak and he needed prayer, then how much more do we need prayer? I need your prayers, people. You need to be praying for your pastor every day. Please pray for me. Pray for my marriage. Pray for my family. Pray for my purity because the enemy will come against me. That's what I would do if I was the enemy. I need your prayers. I'm weak. I'm weak. But we need each other in the spiritual battle because if Paul needed prayer, then isn't it true that you need prayer and you need the support of other Christians in your life? So you see, as I come to the end of this message, there isn't anything wrong with the armor of God or the resources that God has provided. If you're not experiencing spiritual victory, it's because you're not putting them on. You're not doing all that you should do in order to arm yourself and get prepared for spiritual battle, for the assaults of the enemy. But maybe, maybe the reason why you're not putting on the armor of God is it doesn't look all that powerful to you. As you look at the armor of God, you think that's not really that powerful. But let me tell you something about the armor of God. I went to an African-American church when I was in Dallas for a year. And I remember our pastor speaking about this. And he said, the thing about this passage is when you look at the armor of God, it's all about Jesus. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is our righteousness. Jesus is our peace. Jesus is the one whom we have faith in. Jesus is our salvation and Jesus is the word of God. See, what will give you the confidence to take up the armor of God is as you look to the cross and you realize there was a victory won there, a mighty victory. Jesus died, but Jesus also rose victorious. And if he died and he rose victorious, 
then you can appropriate that and live in newness of life. So the challenge is for us this week to apply this to our lives and get prepared for the battle. Do you know, brothers and sisters, there will come a day when Jesus will return and the Bible says that he will take us to be with himself and we will enjoy the marriage supper of the Lamb. And it is going to be glorious. It is going to be amazing to have fellowship with Jesus. But till that time, you must fight. You must take up the armor of God and fight. And God will supply his grace to help you. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for your word this morning to us. So powerful, so true, so effective. Thank you that it builds our faith and grows our strength as we feed on it. And we see the beauty of Jesus in every passage. And we worship him and cherish him and love him. Father, I pray that we as a church would stand firm Though the battle rages on all around us, we would stand in the armor that is provided for us through the work of Jesus, through his victory that he won on the cross. I've got a question for you. Do you really believe that that sin that you're battling with has been defeated by Jesus? That's where the battle is. Raise the shield of faith. Look to the cross. Jesus has defeated sin. He's paid the penalty for it and he's broken the power of it through his death on the cross. So bring it to him now. Confess your sin and receive His cleansing grace and transforming grace.